Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. If you're a guest with us, you're probably sitting out great. Preachers, all they ever want is your money. Churches, all they ever want is your money. Well, I don't want your money. Church doesn't want your money, but God does. There's a story in the New Testament that Jesus makes us privy to. A young man comes to him and says, what do I need to do to follow you? I want to be a follower. And Jesus says, well, keep the commandments. You know, you know what they say and everything. And he goes, you know what? I've done that since the beginning. I've done that since I was a young man. I'm there. He goes, okay, well, one more thing. I want you to go back. I want you to get rid of your house. I want you to get rid of your cars. I want you to eliminate your boat, sell all your Bitcoin, you know, get rid of the stock, empty your bank account, get rid of all your possessions, and then come follow me. The story tells us the young man went away, never came back because he had a lot of stuff. Money will keep you from following God. And it's subtle. And many times we don't know it. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 16, verses 9 to 15 in just a moment. We're going to look at those verses to give us an indication of how we should look at money. Now, I want to make one thing very clear. This is not my opinion. This is what the Bible teaches us. So if you come to the end of this, say, well, pastor, I just don't agree with that. Okay, show me a chapter and verse, and we'll talk about it. So let's look at the world's view of money. The world, how does the world look at money? First of all, money gives me significance. I remember the first time I got a little money. I mowed my grandmother's yard. I got a dollar. Man, was I rich. Shocked to some of you, I went up to the corner store, and the corner store had these cream puffs. (laughs) Wonderful. My dad told me, no, a dime goes somewhere else. But man, a little money in my pocket, significance. You see, you know, if you got money, you're important. The Corinthian church struggled with that. They were given preeminence to the people who had wealth over those who didn't. And Paul had to write and said, stop it. So money gives me significance. The important people have money. Secondly, the world says that money can get me stuff. I got to have this. If I just have a little bit more money, I can get this. I can afford that. I can drive that. I can live here. I can go there. And stuff, you know. Now, please hear me. There's nothing wrong with having stuff as long as the stuff doesn't have you. World of difference. Or money defines success. Who are the successful people in life? They're the people who've made a lot of money. They're the people who can do this and do that and go there and go there. They're the successful people, the wealthy people. They're the successful ones. Or money can give me security. Well, I just wish I had enough money to be secure the rest of my life. After all, I got to provide for me and I got to make sure I got this and this and this taken care of and this taken care of, you know? And so money gives me security. And in fact, 
unfortunately, grandparents, parents, we show our view of money when we tell our kids, grandkids, don't get married until you can afford it. What have we just said? Money matters. Don't get married until you got a degree, got a job, you're secure, because then when you're secure, you can be ever, and then no matter what life throws at you, you'll be able to provide for yourself. That is a lie. And yet we propagate it over and over again, don't we? Aren't you glad you came? Money's my solution to my problems. You know, if I could just win the lotto, I'd be okay. If I just had money, you know, I could do one of the, I need, I need something good to happen. I need somebody to have me. And money wants to be your source. Money wants to be the one that you depend on. Jesus never told anyone that the answer to their problem was more money. Never did. And yet we think, well, you know, if I got this problem, this one, I could solve it if I could just have a little more or win this or have some of that. Or the world says that money can help me do more things spiritually. Well, if I had more money, I could do more things for God. Uh, You know, well, money, I could help more people. That voice is trying to replace God as your supplier. Well, I know, Pastor, I know money is just evil. No, it is not. There's nothing wrong with money. Money is not evil. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. Money's not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. 1 Timothy 6, 7, after all, We brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Money doesn't allow you to be content. But people who long to be rich, by the way, let me just stop. According to numbers that you and I can easily access, you here this morning are richer than most people in the world. Those who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Money promises you everything and gives you nothing because money promises you what only God can give you. And the world's view of money is so far off base and yet we buy into it too often, don't we? And those craving things have pierced themselves. The young man comes, I want to follow you. I want to be a follower. I'm I'm in. I'm a good, righteous person. I've done everything right. But his wealth kept him from being the man that God wanted him to be and what he wanted to be. And he never got 
what he wanted. And his money kept him from it. So the world is here telling you, here's what money will do for you. Here's what money means. Here's what it's all about. That's one view of money. But you know, God has a view of money as well, doesn't he? Boy, that was deafening. (laughs) The Bible is very clear about money. Do you know that Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven and hell combined? That Jesus talked about money more than anything else except one thing, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That's the main subject throughout Scripture. So Jesus talked a lot about money. And so the Bible tells us money matters. Now, I know this is a rough subject. I've learned over the years that there's really three subjects that when you speak on them are really difficult. One of them is money. The other one is sex. People get real uncomfortable when you start talking about that. (laughs) Uh, The other is politics. And money. But we're going to talk about it this morning. And I want to give to you, here's what the Bible says about money. Matthew 25, verse 14 Jesus speaking, he says, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Now, who would that man be? That would be Jesus. He leaves, doesn't he? He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Goes through the story, verse 19, after a long time, the master returned from his trip. That's Jesus. He's coming back one day, isn't he? And he called them to give an account of how they used his money. So we're going to use money. We could talk about possessions. I could talk about everything you own. It's all the same. Here's what the Scripture says. So let's look at our text, and let's see what it has to say to us about money. Number one, rewards are determined by how we handle money. Rewards are determined by how we handle money. You and I long for the day as Christians when one day we'll be in heaven forever and God will give us our reward. Luke chapter 16, verse 9, here's the lesson. Use your money and worldly resources, all your possessions, to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. So use your worldly resources to benefit others. What's the best thing you can do for other people? Oh, we can feed the people. It's a nice thing, but it's not the best thing. We can house them. It's a good thing, not the best thing. The best thing you can do for people is to give them Jesus. It has an eternal consequence, and it gives them eternal life. Use your resources so that other people can come to know Jesus. Now, if you want to do that to feed people so that they'll see the love of Jesus, that's great. But use your resources. What is it there? I want to use what I have so that others can benefit from it and know Jesus better. 
Because when your possessions are gone, and when you die, all your possessions are gone. Right? You can't take it with you. You will be rewarded. Luke chapter 12, verse 43. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. Luke chapter 19, verse 16. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money, made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You're a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted you, so now you will be a governor of ten cities as your rewards. See, Christians are not judged for their sins, but you are going to be judged for how you used your resources and be rewarded as such. Well, that's a shock to some of you, isn't it? You and I are forgiven. We're accepted. But one day God will say, what did you do with everything I gave you? Your possessions, your talents, what did you do with all of that? And he expects there to be a return on his investment because he's invested in us. And we are going to be determined and judged on how we use God's stuff. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So I have to understand, when it comes to my resources and all that I have, one day God's going to ask me, how'd you handle it? Did you use it to benefit others so that they can know Christ and know me better? Was that the heart of what you did? Got it? Mm Mm-hmm. Boy, it is quiet. Secondly, responsibility is demonstrated by how we handle money. So, God says, look, I'm going to allow you to have resources. Now, are you going to be responsible with what I've given to you? So, here's what we don't like to know. Your spiritual life is demonstrated by how you handle the world's stuff, the world's money. It's an indication of how you are responsible with what God has entrusted you with. So, let me break this down for you. Are you going to be faithful in the little things? Luke, our text, Luke chapter 16, verse 10 If you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. So money is a test. It's a test of are you going to be responsible with what you have? Well, the rich just keep being richer. Yeah, they always will. You see... (laughs) Let me, let me just make sure you understand something. God is not a socialist. God is not concerned with economic inequity. God does not believe that everybody should have the same. By the way, socialism is a horrible thing. It sounds so noble. Well, the rich are rich, and they should take what they have, and they should, it should be equal, and they should be able to take what they've got. They shouldn't have so much. It's just excessive. It's just not right. And they should take and give it and distribute it to the other people. That's called socialism. 
Socialism has never worked in history, and socialism always destroys the church. Read your history books. In every socialist country on the face of communism, you look at China, you look at Russia, where does the church stand with them? Under their thumb, doesn't it? Here's what God says. God says this, I'm going to give you a little, and if you're faithful with that, I'll give you some more. But if you're not faithful with what little bit I give to you, you're not getting any more. That's how it works. That's what we just read, isn't it? Luke 19, 26. Let me give you another scripture. Yes, the king replied, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. See, the people who don't have, well, that's not fair. I need this. Hey, manage well what you have, whether that's a little or a lot. Manage it well, and God will bless you and He will take care of you. But if you're a poor manager, you're going to suffer the requests of your poor management. And so God says, I'm going to test your responsibility, and here's how I'm going to test it. Are you going to be faithful with a little? And if you'll be faithful with what you have and manage it well, I'll give you more. But if you're not faithful with what I've entrusted to you, don't expect me to give you any more. Now, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Isn't it? Okay. Secondly, your responsibility is demonstrated. Are you going to be faithful in true riches? True riches. Our text, Luke chapter 16, verse 11 And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? I have known some very wealthy people in my lifetime, and I have watched how money has made them miserable and their families miserable. I have known some very poor people in my lifetime, and I have watched how money has made their lives worse because of how they look at it. I've known some wealthy people in my lifetime who honor God and are blessed by Him. Because you see, the blessings of God have nothing to do with money. True riches is not about your bank account. True riches is about you having the blessings of God to have a joyful, peaceful life. Ecclesiastes 5.10, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. 1 Timothy 6.6, godliness and contentment is itself great wealth. You see, the world says life is about money. The Christian says life is about honoring God and the blessings He gives because we're His children. There's a world of difference between the two. 
And so are you going to be faithful with the worldly stuff that you have? And if you're not, why should God give you His riches? Contentment, forgiveness, peace, joy, love, faithfulness, hope. That's the rich person. Well, Pastor, I don't understand how this works, okay? Let me be a little more blunt and make a few more of you mad. Uh, The Bible teaches a principle called tithing. It's taught in the Old Testament. Jesus himself said you should tithe, so don't tell me it's just an Old Testament thing. And God says, look, I'm going to give you some resources. It's worldly. It doesn't matter to me. You're going to get a paycheck. You're going to get some money. You can have it. But here's the test. Are you going to serve it, or are you going to use it to serve me? And the test will begin here. Will you give me the first part of what you have? And will you give me 10%? And if I don't give him 10%, here's what Scripture says. The Scripture says that if I don't give God that 10%, I'm robbing him. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people in this world I don't want to rob. And God would be one of them, wouldn't he? So he says, look, if you don't handle that well, why should I give you my blessings in other places? Well, you know, I'll just give an offering. Read your dictionary. Look up the word tithe. Tithe means 10%. So if you want to give an offering, an offering is anything you give above that 10%. And you give that 10% to the storehouse, the church, And you do so without your control. Because if you're still trying to control it, you're loving it, aren't you? Phil, you're doing a really good job. (laughs) Thanks. Okay, good. Glad to hear that. And yet people all the time, well, I don't see why I need to do that. Because who is first, God or money? And it's just a simple way God has instituted to say, let's see what comes first in your life. And I will see if you'll be faithful with worldly wealth. And if you're not faithful with the worldly wealth, why should I bless you with the riches of heaven? All right. I'll move on. Faithful in godly things. Faithful in godly things. Again, our text, Luke chapter 16, verse 12. If you're not faithful with other people's things, by the way, all the things you have are God's, right? So if you're not faithful with His things, why should you be trusted of things of your own? Let me illustrate it this way. Let's say you have a teenager, 15, 16, 17 years old, and you decide to buy them a brand new iPhone. You take them to the store. I see some teens nudging their parents, listen to him. They get the phone, and it's a done deal. They take it home. And uh, a few days later, you say, hey, let me see, let me see that phone. Uh, uh, let, let me see it. And they go, no, 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 that's mine. And as a parent, you're going, 
I paid for it. I bought it. I own it. My name's on it. It's not yours. I let you have it, but it's not yours. It's mine. And so God says to us, look, I'll let you have stuff. I'll let you have some of my things, but never forget whose it really is. And God owns everything. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That means on that iPhone that it, God owns it because the material were, were mined from the ground that God owns. And therefore, it's still His, isn't it? The plastics and stuff were made from compounds that God created. It's His. Earth is His. Everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. Psalm 50 verse 10. All the animals of the forest are mine. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains. And all the animals of the field are mine. If you were hungry... If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. So who owns everything? God does. You and I are not owners, we are managers. Nothing I have is mine because God made it all. And very clearly tells us it's all His don't forget it. Because the test is, am I going to be faithful with the things of God? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Let's take it a step farther. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. God bought you at a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So God says, I own it, I own you. You think you can do whatever you want. You think you're the owner of your life. You think you're large and in charge. But one day you're going to stand before me, the one who created you and made you, and I am going to demand that you give me an account of how you lived. And I have a right to do that because you're mine. And so all the stuff you've got is God's. Now, if he asks for a little of it back, does he have a right to do that? You bet he does. It's his. He says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll make you a deal. You give me 10%, first part, I'll let you have the rest. That's better than the government. But with the rest, I'm going to expect you to use it in a way where you control it and it doesn't control you. Because the love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil. And if you won't give to God... You love money more than you love God. I'll give you a scripture for that in a moment. 
Last point. Relationship is disclosed by how we handle money. Now, again, the text says some very tough things. Jesus is speaking. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Notice, it doesn't say it's hard. It says you can't do it. The Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, heard all of this and scoffed at him. And then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your heart. Now notice this last sentence. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. That's pretty strong. God says, look, if you're going to serve money and go after it, you can't love me. And the young man, rich, that came to Jesus, I want to follow. Jesus says, great, I want you to follow me, but you're going to have to choose. It's either me or your possessions and your money. And he chose wrongly. So your relationship with God is revealed, it's disclosed by how you handle your money. And God sees it, doesn't He? And you can justify all you want and come up with all your reasons, but you don't fool God because God knows a heart, doesn't He? And He says, look, I will be first or not at all. And I want you to give to me first. Money is looking for service. And you can't serve both. And there's a lot of people I've known over the years that have despised God. Well, I did this and this, and God didn't provide for me. And I tried this, and look at where I'm at. And, you know, and they blame God for their poor management. And what they're saying is, I love the money more than I love God. And so when we have served and been loyal to money and then our needs aren't met and things don't go the way we think they should, we blame God. And God says, look, you will either love me or despise me and money will reveal which it is. That's pretty strong. All of your life, there will be a battle between God and money. Here's a simple question. Which one do you need? The answer cannot be both. The text says you'll either devoted to one and despise the other. 1 Timothy 6.17 Those who are rich in this world, and who's that? Not to tell them not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, 
who richly gives us all we need, I love this line, for our enjoyment. God doesn't want to keep you poor. God wants to bless you. And God doesn't want you to be a Scrooge and a a miser. God wants you to enjoy it. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those who need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future. Notice, so that they may experience true life. So the world has a view of money, and God has a view of money. Whose view have you aligned your life with? It's a great question, isn't it? Because it affects every one of us all the time. God says, look, don't look at me as someone who's trying to get from you. Don't look at me as trying to take away from you what you have. Don't look at life like it's yours and you can do with it what you want. If you will love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and if you will put me first in every area of your life, I will make sure that you enjoy the blessings of heaven. But if you choose not to, that's your choice. But know this, you can't love God and love money. It won't happen. You choose. So I ask you today, where are you at in this? It's a huge issue. It has eternal ramifications. And you and I will be accountable. So I'd like for us to take a moment and say, God, here I am. Help me. Help me. Let's pray. Lord, this is somewhat of a hard pill to swallow because the world is so persistent in what it pushes. Money calls from all areas of our life. Money seems to be the thing that we need to survive. And so the enemy has devised a scheme to drag us away from you. And he tries to tell us that money's the answer to our problems in life and money's the solution to many things that we're dealing with and what we just need is more money or the money that's there and it's my security and, and I gotta have this and this and it just calls to us and wants us to serve it and wants us to follow it and wants us to look at it and give it the attention that it doesn't need. Whereas you say, look, take it and manage it well. Use what I've allowed you to have, but keep me first above all else. So Lord, today each one of us will choose by how we're going to use our resources, our money, in the days ahead. Help us to have a godly view of money and not a worldly view of money. Help us 
to be willing to get rid of it all, unlike the rich young ruler who came and left because he had it and he wanted to keep it. Help us to put you first and to seek your kingdom first above all else, because if we seek you first, you will provide everything else. Help us. In thy name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.